I'm just going to go through some passages, actually starting in the Old Testament, and, and um, uh, I believe this is going to be good for us tonight. Father, there's something I, I noticed out of our reading this uh, um, this last week. We're in, in Peter, right? And um, yeah, I'll take one of those. Um, what's that? <laughs> she doesn't like the noises I make. So, it's wonderful to, to just sing about God and to, to praise Him and to exalt Him and stuff like this. Uh, but this, this kind of goes a little bit to... Um, Remember what Jimmy was talking about when we were up there? Uh, we, we need an actual encounter with God. He, he needs to be like real. <laughs> I think we're supposed to actually see and touch him, and he's supposed to be like tangible to us. Um, and what this is, it's, it's, the, uh, it, it's, it's the essence of who he is that is to be experienced. And so... You know, whenever you see like a, a painting of, of Jesus, we, we went up to uh, Fredericksburg. Um, when was that? Yep, day before yesterday? <laughs> Days kind of get mixed up. Um, on Monday, and um, they had a nativity scene, you know, uh, with with all the animals around it and Mary and Joseph. And, <laughs> and, and Braden says, Look, Jesus is resurrected. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't in the in the manger. There wasn't there wasn't any Jesus. There was everybody else but Jesus, you know. <laughs> but um, when you when you see a painting, of where do they, they they like to put a little halo around the Holy One, you know? And it's it's it, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, man, I thought thought this was all gone today, but anyway. Um, <coughs> Sorry. Um, but anywhere God really is, and, and, and I just I want to be challenged in this. You, 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 you have to be contesting for this. You have to be insisting on it. You can't, you can't be uh, just putting up with things and assuming everything is, is fine. Um, uh, people that really encounter God are the ones that are really changed by him. And so there's going to be <laughs> there's there's going to be his glory that we encounter. And I, um so I just want to go through some of this uh starting in the Old Testament and then um and then get into the new. So um Exodus 24:16. <coughs> um So when God led the children of Israel out of out of Egypt, um, they became wilderness wanderers. They became people that that were wandering in the wilderness. But when when he he he, he needed to be able to speak something into their life, and and um, there was something they they needed to be afraid of God. They needed to actually fear Him. For them to see, and they needed to see something real. <laughs> they needed to see evidence of him. 
And so when, when uh, Moses got ready to have an encounter with God that, that was going to affect the people, it, there, began, there became this evidence on top of this mountain of fire and, and storms and things going on, a huge uh, like cloud coming down on the mountain. And, and so the people, they're, they're in awe. There's something huge going on. And what's cool about this is it's not just on the mountain. Now Moses actually goes up into the mountain. And um, it, it, it's something I noticed about this is, is even though you're impressed by God, the, the, the fire and, and everything didn't stop. But sometimes you can become familiar with it to the point that it's not impressing you anymore. And so what happened with, with Moses is he went up into the mountain, right? And um, it's like we, my wife said we watched this alone series, you know. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting how some people tap out after five days, you know. It's I can't take it anymore. I miss my wife. And, and, uh, but then as the days go by, it's like, Wow, this is going on forever and ever. And, and, and uh, you know, when you're expecting something and when, when you're, you're, you're maintaining something, 40 days can be a long time. So even though they were impressed and they were in, in awe of God and where Moses was going at the beginning, by the time he got back down, they were worshiping other gods. They weren't impressed at all, even though there was a, a manifestation of, of his glory like that. So there's, the, I'm seeing it, a necessity of becoming a maintainer of his glory in order to maintain his awe. And, to, and, and, and you know, um, I, I think it's something, especially in America today, we have to really be desperate for because, um, you know, I was talking with my, my uh, well, Barry, whatever he is to me. Oh. <laughs> we were just... Talking about how people, especially in America, we're not really desperate for God. We got our bank accounts. We got, you know, even 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 the economy. I'm seeing is is kind of okay. I guess you know that's kind of why the election went the way it went. I guess supposedly some people people still feel secure. They, they they're not they're not afraid of anything. There, it, it it doesn't mean anything to be a Christian. I mean it's it's kind you know it's. You can get by. You're fine. Nobody's really threatening anybody. So there's really no need to be in awe of the answer to anything because what is he really the answer of? You know? <laughs> uh, now, not for us, but you know what I'm saying. But for us. <laughs> because what I think, uh, if, if, if God is going to be our God, if he's going to be what sets us apart, we better be encountering his glory. It better be something that we are desperate for. And so this is a description of it here. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain. And the eyes of the children of the of Israel. This was actually in the eyes of the children of Israel. God was getting ready to say something to them, but they had to be impressed by Him in order for it to make any difference at all. 
You have to be impressed by this guy. He's got to shake you in your boots before you're actually going to do. Even though he's given something that's his word, there's going to need to be an impression of him, right? And it says it was in the eyes of the children of Israel that this took place. This fire, this this evidence of God's of, of God's greatness, of His awesome awesomeness, right? Um, so Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. So he was long, up there long enough for the effect of God's glory to dissipate in the people's eyes and to not be effective for them. You know, I was thinking about this because. I believe every time we come and we praise God, there, God's glory is here yes. to be seen, yes. to be experienced. Yes. But is he just here and we're getting used to him and we can fall asleep and it doesn't really matter? You know what I mean? Because he will be seen by those who are looking for him. You know, I was thinking about, um, um, Emma, was it a couple weeks ago? I think we were we were in prayer, and, and she said, "You know what? When you go hunting, you you don't always see everything right away. Sometimes you're just looking for a little movement. You're just looking for a, a little something. And the more desperate we are for God's glory, the more we're going to be looking for things, and we're going we're going to be appreciating when something when, when we do encounter Him, and we're going to savor every moment, right? <laughs> okay." So let's go to Exodus 40. <coughs> I'm sorry. So then the cloud covered the tabernacle of the meeting. So what happened? You know, uh, he came down and, and the Ten Commandments say he, he broke them because he's mad at them and they're worshiping a, a calf. And so he has to go back and up and get some more. But what happened then is, is, is the, the Ten Commandments um, were put in a tabernacle where the glory of God would come and and hover over this tabernacle, right? And I was thinking about this. This is amazing. For all the time they were in the wilderness, they had the glory of God. All the time. Isn't that amazing? And I'm thinking, well, this is how you take some slaves out of Egypt that are scared to death of going into the promised land. You kill them off, but they better be replaced by somebody that knows the glory of God. Or else they're going to be scared too. And what an advantage they had of the glory of God resting on this tabernacle. They could, and, and well, let me read it. <clears throat> then the cloud covered the tabernacle of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Can you imagine? <laughs> filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting. Moses couldn't even enter because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. Their whole lives were directed by the glory of God. Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be cool? You know, I, I've been I've been trying to be a, a affected by some of the things that God's been speaking through me. You know, we're talking about uh, making every step directed by Him, right? I'm thinking, 
That's really how God wants to be. He wants to be our God all the time. To guide our steps continually. But he can only be as we're desperate for him to be that. It's like we can't move. The children of Israel would not move until the glory of God began to direct them elsewhere. They would just stay there as long as it took. Because the glory was their guide, right? Okay. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Don't you like that? Through the, in the sight of all of Israel. Can you imagine if you were a, a guest? I don't know if they had any guests or not, but it's like, Wow. There's a fire at night above that place. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay. <clears throat> so then, it wasn't just a guide for them. It became a source of righteousness for them too. Because it, it became a part of the, of the taking care of their sins. The thing that would keep them from God required glory. It required the glory of God. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting, came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Isn't that amazing? Anytime there's a, a true encounter with God, his glory is going to be involved. It's not going to be a social club where you got to fire up some smoke and some, <laughs> some lights in order to manufacture the glory of God. You know what I mean? There's going to be the glory of God. And it's, it's going to transform people's perspective on where they should be going today as opposed to yesterday, Right? <laughs> so let's go to Second Corinthians three seven. Uh, well, I, I I got that elsewhere. Okay. <clears throat> so in the New Testament, Paul begins to address this, and he said, "You know what? If the glory was so powerful back then, what about this new thing that we have? Shouldn't it even be more?" This glory should not be something that we're just watching far away. It should be something that, that this is what we have. <laughs> this is our life in him, right? But if the mystery of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not stead, look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Isn't that interesting? There's a dissipation of, of, of that glory. There's a need for a mate, uh, maintenance of it. There's a need for being sustained in it, pursuing it, not, being, not, not feeling like it's just something that we can become comfortable or, or apathetic about, right? How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Isn't this good? 
For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So he said, the Old Testament, it, it was something where they couldn't, even, they couldn't even look at somebody who had been looking at it. <laughs> Moses came down, they couldn't even look at him, right? Because he had been beholding God. <coughs> um, and he... And he's saying, if, if that glory was, was great, when you're really encountering the glory that we have by the Spirit, it should be changing the way we look. It should be transforming us, right? Here's what I want to be challenged with is, <laughs> if, if this is true, and there must be much more for us to pursue. Yes. Amen? Amen. Where God really is, it will be known. Amen? Where, where he really is not just something that we are talking about, not just his word that we're pontificating about, but we're actually encountering his glory. It will change everything. It should change the way we look. You know, there's some stories from old of where they'd be having a revival and people drive by and see a fire on top of the, the building, right? This is really what we have in this spirit that we have. If it's what we have. Amen? I'm wanting to say, God, what do I have here? What do I have here? It's kind of like Chad saying, you know, let's don't just assume everything's cool. Especially if it's not changing our countenance, if, if we don't see things differently. Amen? Amen? So, what should be happening when we encounter God in worship? It's like, like Connor was singing tonight, that's so good. But what needs to be happening when we're, when we're beholding God, when we're worshiping him? What needs to be happening? This glory, what, what the glory is, it's the essence of who God is. But it's, it's also the awe that comes as a result of it. It has to transform how you're behold, your opinion. I, I saw one uh, uh, definition of it, that, or perspective of it, that it, it's your impression of, of who this is. It has to be changed when it's real. Amen?
So God take us to that place, right? So um, it's almost like people that have the, these personal encounters with the glory of God have an advantage. You think, well, that just isn't fair. And yet that's what we have in the spirit. We have. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave. It's what we have, amen? And remember what Moses said. He said, he said God, if, you, if your glory doesn't go with me, I might as well just not even go. I need your glory. I need your glory. Right? So, so there's, there's people. Remember, Paul could talk like this because what happened to him? What happened to him? How did he get converted? What changed him from somebody that's wanting to, 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 to kill Christians to one that is, is with him now? What changed him? It was the glory of God. It wasn't a persuasion. It was the glory of God. Right? It's like, it's like when God is really going to begin to use somebody, the change is his glory. The transformation, it, 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 it's the overwhelming presence of, of the essence of who he is that, that has to change us. Amen? It's going to have to be something that we pursue more so. So anyway, so we have Paul that this happened to, right? We have Moses that this happened to. And then we had uh, Peter. Remember Peter? He's, he's, he's the one that, uh, this, is, this is before he denied Christ, right? Goes up on the mountain with Jesus. What happened to Jesus? He was transfigured, wasn't he? And he, and he began to glow. And he began to emanate the glory of God. And so what Peter began to understand is that this is actually the thing that sustains us. This is the thing that we're, our hope is based upon the glory of God. It's not just things that we're going to get. It's not just heaven and, and pearls and, and gold. And it's the glory of God. That just, just everything else gets swept away compared to the glory of God. And, and, and Peter gets this understanding of this, that, that this, this being that he's with, and, and it's interesting that he could begin to deny the same being that he saw later. This is why I'm challenging this. We can't have an encounter with God and, and, and expect that to keep us going. There has to be this sustain. That's why Peter, and we'll see this, he talks about the glory being something that is going to be what keeps us through trials. That anticipation of the glory, that that motivation of the glory has to be something that is, is, is not small to us. Doesn't ever, we don't ever allow it. He says, I keep telling you these things continually because you're not going to make it if you, don't, if you don't keep this going. Right? So, I'm going to start in 2 Peter here first because he makes this connection. He talks about this encounter that he had. The glory to Peter... And it's interesting because, I mean, Paul has a revelation of it too because it was it transformed his life, right? 
But Peter makes this connection to it. He said, you know what? The, the, the glory, the essence of God, it's going to be something that drives us continually. For we did not know cunningly devised fables. He said, there's a lot of other religions around us that can come up with some pretty amazing stories. And this is what happened when I went to college. I, I took a religion class, and they have a bunch of cunningly devised fables, right? Siddhartha and... <laughs> all these other stories, and they say Christianity's just the same. And Peter is saying, no, it's not. I was there. I saw the glory of God. It's amazing. We did not know cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. Isn't that interesting? That he received glory. There's a reception of glory. That's for us. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So we have a prophetic thing that God declared who Jesus was, his glory. He gave that glory to him and, and, and now that's who lives in us now. And it's a prophetic word. You know, I was thinking about it. It, it seems like things are, are darker now than they've ever been. You know, um, some of the things that are happening today, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have even dreamed they could begin to happen. And what is that? That's darkness. And, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. Our, our role is to be the light. But the way we, the way we are the light is encountering the glory. And that's what he's talking about here. So we, this isn't, this isn't just a fable. We encountered Jesus himself receiving glory and it changing who he was. Even the son of God required the glory from the father to transform who he was. And Peter observed this and he said, you know what, this is, this is something that happened to Jesus, but it's a prophetic word to us too. We are transformed. Like Paul said, when we behold him, when we see him, it will change us from glory to glory. It, it will be something that is progressive. It's not something that stops. We keep moving along this path. Amen? It says, and we keep on this until the, the day what is it? Light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our, in our hearts. I'm seeing this as such an essential thing for our body right now. Because you know, there, it's, it's easy to become apathetic, to become dulled in our, in our intensity towards God, even in our awe of him. You know, to where we're not really shaken He hasn't changed at all. He's still a fire. He's still a cloud. He's still amazing. 
He's still to be encountered every time we come together. He, he will fill the space where he's honored. Amen? So 1 Peter uh, 1, and I'm just going to draw out some of these because he uses this reference to glory. In this you, are, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and what? Full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He makes this connection to glory over and over. Right? He said, you're going to, I don't know if you've noticed as we've been reading through, but the challenge for all of us is how do we get through life that is full of trials, that's full of difficulties. I mean, Paul talks about it a lot too. And he said, though we're, though we're encountering these things, how are we going to get through them? And it's by the glory that we set before us. That's a real thing that we can, it's a tangible encounter with God that, that we say, no, this is what's real. It's kind of like when I had that, that, that um, all those cunningly designed fables in my religion class. When your mind starts wondering and you're being challenged in your faith, but you say, but I have an encounter with God that is real. Amen? And he will be as real as we continue to press towards. I believe there's so much more for us. Amen? But it won't be haphazard. God's not just going to do it. We have to be pressing toward it. We have to contend for it. Amen? Um. Let's see. Okay, first Peter 1 20. I'm sorry. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him what? Peter keeps referring to this glory, doesn't he? So that your faith and hope are in God. He gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Isn't that interesting? He makes this connection continually to the glory of God. Oh. You know, it, it, it's, it's actually kind of encouraging because sometimes I think we can be challenged in our faith when we're just trying to believe something out of our head. But you encounter the glory of God and it helps your heart. You're having an encounter with, with this massive, amazing God. And no longer is it unfair because somebody else has something. No, you get to have it. <laughs> Amen? But it needs to be having this result. Your faith and hope should be established in God. And it's not just trying to crank it out in the word or trying to hold on to something. 
we actually encounter him by the Spirit. That's why Jesus said, I have to go so the Holy Spirit can come. What did it say about the Holy Spirit? It said, he's, he's the Spirit of glory. This is, this is what we should be encountering when, we, when we're praying in the Spirit. It should be an encounter of his glory. This is why, man, I, I'm challenging this. Just, um, you know, there, there's different reasons for praying in the Spirit. But the biggest thing should be encountering his glory. It should be changing who we are. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And if it's not, we can. <laughs> Amen? So that your faith and hope are in God. Isn't that, whenever you have like a so, that means without it, you're not. We're going to have to do this, right? <clears throat> okay. First Peter 4. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all, thing, all things, God may be what? Glorified. That means what we're doing when we submit it to him and we say, you know what, what's wonderful? God's really been helping me with this. Is it's, it's not about my natural abilities at all. It's about me just submitting to what God's already put on the inside. And actually, this, there's humility in that that should drive our boldness in going ahead and delivering what God gives us. It's not me anymore. It's, 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 it's that essence of, of the glory of God. And the whole purpose of it is for... Again, God's helping me with this. I would rather nobody ever say anything to me about me, but God's glory come and make a difference in somebody's life. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And that's the whole purpose of us encountering his glory, for him to be glorified. Yeah. <laughs> you know? For him to be encountered, for him to be seen. It's kind of like Moses, he said, unless you go with me and your glory is all over me, I'm sorry, but I just am not going to get anything done because it's going to be your glory that changes things. <laughs> so, whatever we're doing, whatever we're, we rely on the unction of the Holy Spirit, which is the very glory of God. It's him inside of us. Amen? But we do so with boldness and confidence because it isn't us. And it brings glory to him. Don't you like this? To whom be the, belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's go to 412. <clears throat> Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is, is to try you. Again, we got some more fiery trials. But what I like is you can fight fire with fire, right? The fire of God's glory will help you to be sustained in any. If you're already burnt up by the, the glory of God, whatever fiery trial comes along will have nothing to burn. Amen? Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But I was confessing this. <laughs> but I was believing for this. How many have had that happen? It's like something happened to somebody. They encountered something that wasn't, you know. Don't act like it's a big deal. No, there's trials. They will come. 
but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. He keeps pressing towards this revelation of the glory. It should be a drive. If it's not a driving force in our life, if it's not a motivational thing, we're missing out on sustenance through trials, according to this, right? There's a motivation for us if the glory of God really means anything. And if it doesn't, then I guess we just miss out. <laughs> but I'm seeing that there's a potential here in the glory of God for there to be a force inside of us that's, that's unstoppable. In addition to everything else that we have, right? To the word and to everything. But, but, but without the glory, without the essence of who he is. That's where the power comes. Yeah. I, I believe that's part of, it's not by might, it's not by powers, but, but it's by, and what is that spirit? It's the glory of God. Amen? And then you can be glad with exceeding joy. How many like being glad with exceeding joy? A whole lot more fun than the alternative. If you are reproached, this, this is really interesting. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Isn't that interesting? We don't account, encounter that that much, but he's saying, especially if there is a persecution upon you, he said, God's glory is act, actually resting on you. Kind of helps you understand how martyrs did what they did. Because the glory of God came upon this was not just a, a human being enduring something. This was the glory of God resting upon them. Amen? On their part, he is blasphemed. So whoever's doing the persecuting, from their position, it's a blaspheme against God. But on the one that's receiving it, it's glorifying God because his glory is resting on them. Isn't that interesting? So the glory of God becomes a part of us when we're victorious, when we're going through something that the world would think is, 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 is like uh, de defeat in some way. That's, that's why the, the, greatest, the greatest churches in the world today are in Iran and China because they have the greatest persecution. And according to this, that's where there's the greatest evidence of the glory. When somebody's being persecuted, God says, here's my glory. Here's my glory. Because the glory of God is not going to pass away when we do. The glory of God is not limited to the things that we can see. The glory of God is the eternal part that sustains us. Amen? Isn't that good? All right, 1 Peter 5. The elders are, uh, are among you, I exhort. I'm sorry. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, keeps referring to this partaking of a glory. Uh, 5 2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as being lords over others entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive what? 
<laughs> that does not fade away. It changes, it changes the reason why we serve or it becomes the foundation for which we serve. We're serving for the glory. <laughs> We're being faithful for the glory. Man, it, gives, it, it, it takes away all the personal stuff. Man, you can't get offended when your service is for the glory. Right? There's no, there's no, uh, there's no strife. There's no place for, for Satan to have his way. Second Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I believe that each one of us when, we're, when we come to Christ in the first place, it's not because we got a good idea. It's because the Spirit drew us by his glory. There was something else going on. When you say yes to God, it's not because it's a good conversation. Now, I, I believe God will use, you know, my, my guitar teacher in college, he said he, he, he believed in God because of science. You know, it's like <laughs> you can validate things and you can have... But what is really changing you is the gospel isn't just natural persuasions. It's the glory of God that he loves us so much that we can be transformed into a new creation, right? By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the Lord, uh, okay, so... The, <laughs> So everything that we're encountering in Christ that's been provided for us, there's precious promises that have been provided for us. They're all to glorify God. They're all to magnify God. And they require God's glory in order for him to be glorified. So it's, it's, it's like glorifying God. That, that's always kind of been weird to me anyway. It's like, how can I glorify God? Well, the way we glorify God is we encounter his glory. And then the change that takes place in us as a result glorifies him. Does that make sense? Okay. I just wanted to end with this. Um, Exodus thirty-three seventeen. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. What is he he's saying? I need you to go with me, right? <clears throat> I need to behold you. I need to encounter you. You're asking me to lead these people. I cannot do it without you. Don't you like it that he did that? It's like, this is how we can be also. I love the examples we get in the word so that we can also do these things. Did you know that God is moved by what we pursue? Again, I like that. I like that example of Ahab. You know where he, he was. God cursed him and said he's going to die. And he said, "But I'm humble myself before." God is moved by what we're we're desirous for. And here's Moses. God had already told him he's going to deliver the children of Israel, and yet Moses. Remember, there was a time when, when God said, I'm going to kill everybody, and, and God stood up in front of God. <laughs> I mean, Moses stood up in front of God and said, "No, you can't do that." Remember what you said. God is God cares about what we care about and and and, and we have we we have 
an option with him to encounter him on a level that is not where we've been. Even though we have the promises of God of who we already are in Christ and all that, God's still waiting for, but what do you want? But what do you want? And don't you know that did God so good when Moses said, okay, you've, you've demonstrated all these things. I'm really impressed with who you are. You're an amazing God, but I have to have your glory. I have to have. Oh, I just see this as something that we can be inspired by. Amen? I don't, I want the glory of God to, to live in. But I want our, I want our, when we come together, we should be so desperate for the glory of God. We're not going to make it without. We have to have the glory of God. So, so, so God gives him a clue though when he's, he's saying, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to reveal myself to you. If we get desperate enough about God, God, I, I'm, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful. But I, I want to encounter you. And, and I don't want to encounter you just on Sundays or just once in a while. I want this to be a walk of encounters. A glory to glory encounter. Amen? So God responds to that kind of thing. And he says, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. It's so important to speak it. For it to become not just a nice thought, but for it to be a, a declaration, a request. He said, you have not because you asked not. Well, what would be the best thing we could ask for his glory? And, and you know, you could get all religious about it and say, well, you already have the glory. He's already living inside you. Oh! <laughs> I want to have an encounter that's beyond where I've been. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> For you have found grace in my sight. So here's, here's what I think is cool about this. The finding of grace is something that's up to us. We find the power of God. We apply the power of God. And, and God is saying that to, to Moses. He said, you have found grace in my sight. But it's not just that. He said, but, and I know you by name. And that's one of the greatest revelations, I think. And what does that mean? That means that, that Moses was in continual pursuit of him. That God knows us by name based upon what we're doing with his glory. That's so good. Amen. Remember the ones that get into heaven? They're not just the ones that say, Lord, Lord. They just know how to, to sing a, a worship song. But the ones that he knows our name. He, say, he says, I never knew you. Well, I don't want to be that. How, how do we get, a, how, how do we get, it, it's not going to be a religious thing that fixes that. It's going to be a desperation for the glory of God. For the actual essence of who he is, that I really want him. Amen? <laughs> and I'm going to use the tools he's given me to pursue his face more than anything else. So what did he say? He said, please show me your glory. That has to be our cry. Yes. 